Welcome to another episode on the Unlocking Your Mind podcast. My name's Tom Morgan and I'll be bringing you an array of inspirational stories from people who have achieved amazing things. Each guest offers an interesting insight into the highs and lows they have faced along their path to success. There is definitely a lesson or two in each podcast and ways we can improve our own lives. I hope you enjoy. My guest today is Georgie McLean. Georgie is embarking on one of the most impressive fitness challenges I have come across. In 2021, Georgie will be running Joggle, which is running from John O'Groats in the north of Scotland to Land's End in England. This is a total of 860 miles in 16 days. On average, Georgie will be running an equivalent of over two marathons a day for 16 days. During this conversation, we speak of her incentive to run this impressive ultramarathon event and what her drive and motivation is. This is a great chat about how we can all get into a positive mindset to take any challenge on. I hope you enjoy. Georgie, I'm so happy you decided to come on the podcast. Um, we briefly chatted before about what you're doing, your fitness journey, um, and it's, yeah, it's really inspiring. So it's great to sit down with you today and have a conversation about it. So how are things? Yeah, they're really good. Well, um, we were just saying, weren't we, like, you feel like you're getting back to some form of normality and it looks like we're reverting back into um, pre-lockdown. Um, and uh, I've kind of mentioned it before about how much sort of, you know, I learned myself about myself um, in those times in that three to four month period. Yeah. What were the biggest things that you think that you've learned during that time? Um, well, for me, ultimately, Tom, like I'm, I'm a socialite, I'm a social bunny, I thrive off like human connection and human interaction. And initially, like going into lockdown, like I was like, OMG, how am I going to handle this? You know, I live on my own. Um, I'm a single, single Pringle. And you know, having to sit in your house with your own thoughts and feelings, um, someone who's suffered from mental health in the past as well, it was quite a daunting prospect, especially because I knew that it was going to be longer than what people were proposing or, you know, what they wanted it to be. I knew that we were in this for, for the long haul, as it were. Um, but yeah, it was certainly soul searching for me. Um, and uh, I found out a lot about myself um, I learned to like myself a lot more. I think people would um, assume that, you know, as I portray a very positive, you know, out, you know, outlook and uh, message on my social media that, you know, I am, you know, sparkles, unicorns and rainbows, but, you know, it's, it's not always that way. And it was, it was good to sort of lean into, the parts of myself that I wasn't that keen on, I guess, and had to work on them and learn to love them in the three to four months that we had in solitude, as it were, to a certain extent. Exactly. I think that's such an important message because obviously the day we're recording this now, it's World Mental Health kind of awareness day. And I think people overlook that, don't they? When you're living on your own, I live on my own as well. When you're on your own and you have a lockdown and you don't get to see people as much and have that interaction, I think it's so important to be able to sit with yourself because the pe people who have been through different mental health journeys, I've been, I've been through my own with anxiety. And sometimes when you're in that mindset, the hardest place is being in your own head. And for people who are on their own and struggling a little bit, I think it's so hard 
to see that other perspective when you're in that mindset. So that's one of the reasons like we're having this conversation to help people realize it's, it's not just you. It's okay. We all experience it in one way or the other. And I really like what you said there is you learn to like yourself. I mean, that is such an important thing. And that's something I did as well, because at the start of lockdown, life got so busy it was just going oh, so busy. Distraction, distraction. We're a society of distraction, whether it's grabbing hold of our phone, um, you know, just busying ourselves with our friends and family. And, you know, yeah. for us, training is a big thing for me. You know, I was yeah. just busy, 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 cramming in as much as I possibly could and probably looking at quantity over quality. Um, so, yeah, it, it definitely gave gave me a lot of like self-reflection and really looking at um you know what what I was spending my time on and who with and yeah. did I need to be doing that exactly and I think it gave that time for the first time in oh, well I don't know how long you could just sit with yourself you could just do things everything had slowed completely down you were starting to do things that you've never really done before I mean at the start I was thinking oh I really need to be doing something because I, I attached myself to like things that I'd be doing. yeah exactly it was you know it was, it was like yeah I thought well who am I without work who am I without training what can I do what can I do and that's where I kind of really learned to just kind of sit with myself and be with myself. And that's the biggest thing I've taken from lockdown is just to be more present. I mean, you can't control the future. Exactly. That. So that's the biggest thing I learned. And I feel now going back to normality, well, not normality now, it's another lockdown where I'm living, but it's just learning just to be with it. And I think that's the most important thing. How much thing. calmer are you, Tom? Like now, I mean, in comparison, I bet to when it first happened, I just literally had a conversation about, you know, the possibility of us going back into another lockdown. And I'm like, Celebi, like, it, it is, is what it is. is. And I, I know I can handle it. I know I came out the other end because I guess experiences is part and parcel of that. Um, but it's going to be, it will be okay if you let it be okay. And uh, what do they say? Anxiety is worrying about the future. Depression exactly. is, you know, about the past. Um, and I've struggled that. with both. And, and yeah. mindfulness is something that I am, you know, truly, truly passionate about. I'm, I am a big advocate for health and wellness. Um, being an everyday athlete, I'm not a professional, even though many people perceive that I am from my social media because that is the message that I put across. I train a lot. I'm very passionate about what that gives me, the endorphins and how it assists my mental health. Um, but also working on yourself, internal wellness, stoicism, journaling, um, you know, and upskilling on that and almost taking things back to basics. Yeah. You know, I love putting pen to paper. It's the best thing that I ever found two years ago was the art of journaling and uh, putting my thoughts down on a piece of paper. And I don't even necessarily read them back, but just being able to get them out from the mm. inside. Um, yeah. Well, it's, it's what the old philosophers and... Uh, Ross Edgley talks about it, you know, a lot of people yeah. that, you know, are in endurance or athletes, you know, say stoicism is a, is a great way to help with mental health as well. Exactly. And that's something I've just finished reading his book. And that's something that we touched on. I think he did a quote in there. You can control the controllables, but obviously you can't control external factors. So I think if you can control your own mindset and you're in your own mind, then that's where everything kind of falls into place. So for you, lockdown was a little bit different. 
you decided to do this massive massive <laughs> fitness challenge so tell me about yeah. that like where did that come from um okay so I'll give you a little bit of a background rationale of me like in terms of what my my sporting background because yeah. everyone wants to know about Georgie and her sporting background so um if we take things way back like school I wasn't sporty at all I was a slightly overweight kid trying to fit into the cool group but wasn't quite cool <laughs> enough I wasn't like geeky to be like in the geek <laughs> Group. I was just kind of, I used to flitter around and uh, I've got this really vivid memory of having to do cross country in my school shoes because I would avoid bringing my sports kit as much as I possibly could to avoid having to do exercise. So I just wasn't very good. I mean, if I was in team sports, I was, you know, made like goal, like goalkeeper. You know, if someone <laughs> put me where I wasn't going to cause too much, you know, too much trouble. And I went to private school as well. So sport is, you know, is quite um, a prominent part of the curriculum and it's definitely imposed on you. And it just wasn't for me. I, I mean, I loved horse riding, but I don't really deem that as like sport. Sorry for all the horse riders out there. I, the horses <laughs> do most of the work, right? So background wasn't very sporty. My first entrance, I would say, into taking the job seriously like many girls, is wanting to lose weight. So I was in my early 20s um, and I joined a gym. You know, I wanted to shed a few pounds or a few stone at the time. I was, I was slightly overweight and um, yeah, and I got into it. And I think when you start seeing the external results, it spurs you up. Yeah. So I was in that bucket, you know, and I'm... Off the back of that, um, my brother and my partner at the time, we started doing triathlons together. Um, so that was in my early 20s. I'm in my <clears throat> mid-30s now. So um, that was the first time that I was probably taking sport a bit seriously, getting a bit competitive. Um, and I guess it's it was a nice entrance level at the time into not really looking at it was a byproduct the way i looked was a byproduct instead and performance was more um the priority i guess so did a few triathlons very good at swimming not so good at the bike um hated running so <laughs> you hated running hated wow hated running hated <laughs> running very good swimmer um considering i'm five foot one i've got very long arms so i i think that 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 definitely helped me and i would come out of the water generally with mixed triathlons and i'd be like second or third out of the water it was nuts wow. but there's nothing worse than getting on the bike and you're pedaling away and then you've got people going past you going great swim time and they're literally planning <laughs> and you're struggling and you're like great you know i was great at the start and i'm just absolutely rubbish at the rest so, um got into into that and then just carried on my gym journey really had a, a personal trainer who taught me a little bit about strength um you know because going into muscle mountain god I never would have gone in there like I was a cardio queen like most girls you know yeah um, on the treadmill holding on to it for dear life walking uphill you know on the cross train of like hours at a time um and uh there was no way you were going to get me into Muscle Mountain with all the men that, you know, were grunting and making scary noises and dropping dumbbells. Mm -hmm. no, you wouldn't see me in there. <laughs> and uh, one of my good friends at the time um, 
she had competed uh, at her first bodybuilding competition. And again, bringing it back to external validation, maybe a little bit, she okay. got in extremely good shape because you have to, to step onto stage. Um, and I thought, oh, you know, that, that looks interesting. And that she was very dedicated to the cause. And I guess with having such a strong goal at the end, you have mm. to stick to the plan, right? Yeah. Um, and I, I'm a little bit like, I do things out of spite a bit because people don't believe I can do it. Okay. And I remember saying to my, my pal, and I was like, I think I was a bit of a party goer back in my early 20s. So um, I remember us being at this bar and I was like, oh, Abby, you know, I'm thinking about doing like a bodybuilding competition. And she went, you know, you can't drink for four months. You know, that was the first thing she said to me. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I reckon I can do it. And she's like, well, you can't drink, you know, you can't like yeah. eat. Like, it's really strict, you'd like Tupperware life. And I was like, no, no, I'm good. that's like a red rag to a bull. So I signed up for my first competition, got her coach. And I think I wasn't like in bad shape, but I was just a normal everyday girl that was like, hey, I want to step up on stage in four months time. And I've got yeah. a really basic knowledge of like the gym, you know. Anyhow, he took me on. Um, I'm sure he was thinking, how are we going to get there in 16 weeks? But it was intense. You know, it was 1600 calorie diet. Um, everything was dictated to me, training six days a week, lots of list cardio, which is low intensity, steady state stuff. Yeah. Lots of walking on the treadmill and Stairmaster and all that jazz. And uh, predominantly living out of Tupperware. Um, I started my first prep on the 1st of December, which is nuts for some people. They're like, why would you do that? Um, so I missed all of Christmas, New Year. Um, and yeah, I, I got down, I got down to like 56 kilos. I lost, I can't remember how much it was in total, but it was a lot, you know, I was shredded. Like, yeah. and I, I stepped on stage and it was weird, Tom, because I think at the time I thought that I was going to have like this, like epiphany of like, oh my God, I feel amazing. Um, the four month period that, you know, I got into this, you know, my life had completely done a 180. Um, my friends didn't recognize me or who I was because I couldn't do half the things that you could socially. Yeah. I thought that I was going to get some form of internal validation for myself for getting there, that I was going to be so happy because I was the leanest I've ever been. And also, I think you kind of taught, you put so much heart and soul into it that you want your place, like you want to get that piece of plastic trophy. Yeah. And I didn't get place. So I was like, I put all that blood, sweat, tears and sweet potato and chicken <laughs> and broccoli, you know. Yeah. And I hadn't got where I wanted. So I was like, right, okay, let's go and do it again. And so I then started this, my bodybuilding, you know, um, journey, uh, which that's really where I think my, my mental health took a, a big tumble because I lost my identity of who I was and it's a very, very lonely sport. You know, it, it's, it's it very, it's not fun. I've heard that before. I've heard a lot of people go into bodybuilding and it's probably one of the most disciplined sports there are because you've got to be on the clock for 24 seven. It's about your sleep, your nutrition, it's got to be on point and your exercise has got to be on point. And then that does leave you isolated if you don't have that 
I don't know how to say this, that, that right almost social group around you who understand what you're trying to do. It's yeah. too tricky. And I think, you know, at the time it's when social media was kind of, um, you know, it was popping. You would have your communities on like platforms such as Instagram. Yeah. So there was a big, you know, around the federations that I was competing for, which were like WBFF, um, you've got a lot of the competitors, you become a community. So you're yeah. almost egging each other on a little bit which isolates you from your so your actual social groups, like your friends and your family even more so. Yes. And my boyfriend at the time was another competitor. Okay. So you kind of got one another and you kind of got your weird and wonderful ways and your binge eating habits. And because you all had the same, the same stuff, you all had yeah. the, the highs and the lows and you got one another. Um, but yeah, it was it was a very very. If I look back now and reflect, a very it's the positives is it gave it was a very a good entrance level for me in terms of like taking sport or if you could even deem it as a sport mm -hmm. more seriously. Yeah. Um, because I was very very serious about it, but I was you know in terms of my mental health, I was in the worst shape internally even though I looked physically on the outside you know and by the way you know if anyone doesn't know this you know bodybuilding like you are in the the most unhealthiest you could possibly be you mm, know yeah physically you know you're so you're so depleted you're so lean you know you've got no energy you look great but you feel like absolute crap yeah um, you know, loss of periods and uh, your moods and you're hangry and which is just completely the opposite of who I am as a person. And on my, I was, I was in the middle of my last prep that I did. I was going to LA because I thought the bright lights of competing abroad was going to bring me some, I don't know, it was going to, it was going to be the making of me or yeah. I don't what I thought I thought it was going to be you know it's more extravagant it's more exciting doing you know a destination comp and I remember it was like five in the morning and I was doing my fasted cardio and I'd just broken up my boyfriend at the time and uh, I would think it was about six or seven weeks in I'd had the Christmas period and I'd binge eaten so badly over my eight weeks off that my body just was like, I had like little sausage fingers, like the sugar, just everything had just gone like, whoa, what are you doing? And I just yeah. got into this eating frenzy on this period of time between my two, my last comp and the, going into my first um, prep. Yeah. Over Christmas, the worst time as well. Like, I mean, I was secretly eating mince pies, like in my, I, my family, my extended family, my sister-in-law live in America. So we brought over mince pies. I remember sitting in my room, eating eight mince pies in secret that I brought over for them because wow. they don't have mince pies in America. And just like literally the gluttony, like see, like secretly binge eating was just horrendous. And so I've gone into this prep and I was like, well, you know, I'm going to go into a prep, so I'll lose it all again. So, yeah. And I just... I just remember being on the treadmill and I was six weeks in and I'd done everything on point and I was losing a kilo a week, like, you know, that was, I expected of me. And I just broke down in tears on the treadmill and I was like, I don't want to do this. And I don't tap out of anything. Yeah. And um, 
yeah and I just I I put posts up on Instagram like literally there and just went this is me tapping out I don't want to do this because people liked following my journey yeah, because they liked seeing the progress so every day you're like this is what I'm doing and this is why I'm doing it and this is how lean I'm getting and so you put all this pressure on yourself and then you've got to go actually guys I'm not actually doing it now yeah and um yeah, and I I had a nervous breakdown pretty soon after that. I mean, within a matter of like two weeks, I couldn't get out of bed for three weeks. Um, literally couldn't, you know, it was the first time I think, the first and only time in my life that I haven't trained. But, you know, I trained, through, I'm really bad. I train, you know, I trained through illness or, you know, yeah. whatever. I just, um, yeah, I just, I just didn't, I just hated on myself absolutely hated on myself and I just was so miserable so unhappy and um yeah I had a nervous breakdown pretty soon after that you know after cancelling that show and the flights and you know I paid for everything you know the extortionate glittery bikini and obviously put myself out there and yeah I just crumbled really crumbled and that's where yeah I had uh I was depressed had to have intense counseling and therapy, whatever you want to call it. And um, that's when I had to start working on my internal wellness. Yeah. You know, the physique world, as it were. Um, And that was 2018. And people don't pay enough attention to that. They think, I think a lot of people, especially on social media who are doing fitness, they think it's all linear. It's fantastic looking at someone who is in great shape. They're, how did they get there? You know, they're always posting about they're eating pizza, they're eating burgers, they're drinking milkshakes. Oh, yeah. You know, they think they're, they're that. That's how you get there. But the I rock. think, yeah, The Rock. The Rock, for example, ex- it, that is exactly. He trains at the gym. He has his own gym. Then every Sunday, he'll eat whatever he wants. You know, people don't see what he probably has to go through. The four o'clock yeah. wake-ups everything like that but then it's interesting you mentioned obviously having a bit of a breakdown after your bodybuilding experience because I was listening to a podcast the other night and it was with um, a new uh, sports neuro um, scientist I think Mm. and he was talking about how he works with different athletes and certain athletes he said the most common thing he ever counsels or works with is athletes who have put so much of their self-worth into their sport into their training they've given up pretty much everything and then as soon as they realize or they've won the medal or they've won the show they hit this massive depression after because Mm. they're not enjoying the journey it's identity exactly um or the identity doesn't live up to the expectation yes um because everything everything's got um an expiry date right of course it does um I mean, it was, yeah, it, it was, de- I, I don't regret any of it. I mean, having to then do that um, introspective work on myself, yeah, um, deal with a lot of old shit that you have to go through. Like, but you just get, it's the cards that you get played. It's yeah. nothing to do with you as a person. It's just life. You know, my father, my late father had passed away when I was 11. Um, I've been sent to boarding school. All these things have played um, a part in my life, having some really toxic boyfriends. Um, and I was very much of the pat down. 
oh, everything's fine. I'm happy. I'm really positive. PMA yeah. Georgie. Um, and I never really lived into those emotions. I just sort of packed them down and moved on. But they're still there and they're not dealt with. And so having to go for therapy and talk to a stranger about what's happened the last decade of my life was, it was so hard, so hard, but you know, it was, it was brilliant. And off the back of that, then I, um, I actually got a performance coach um, because I wanted to look at propelling myself forward in, in all areas of my life, whether that be my career, my sports, just who yeah. I was as a person. So um, I found a performance coach and we worked together for um, two years um, with myself coaching and then working together within the space. And that's where I learned a lot about, you know, the stoicism, things like journaling, you know, um, which for me, I, I can't recommend it enough. You know, journaling for me has, has saved me and I'm sure will continue to save me and stop me having any further nervous breakdowns you know, moving forward because that pen to paper and it just allows you to have a, that bit of detox time, that time where you're not connected, you're only connected with yourself yeah. with, you know, we don't write anymore. Like when I first started writing, I was like, oh, I've got writer's hand, it's aching, <laughs> you know, because we haven't done it since school, but there's something quite magical about, you know, actually putting pen to paper. So that I for agree. me is game changing. I agree. And that's that's probably one of the key habits I think I'd built at the start of lockdown. I started this podcast. I started talking to people. And what a lot of people did was journal. So then mm -hmm. I started like reading into it a little bit more about why it's so powerful. And uh, there's a guy in America called Bob Proctor, and he's massive with the secret, you know. And then I started yeah. really researching him, listening to a podcast with him. So I thought, why not? I'm going to do it. So like you said, every like every night I do the same, I'll have, um, I'll set half an hour to an hour aside, I'll switch my phone off and then I'll either read, listen to a podcast, it might make sure I meditate, you know, it's not always candles on, soft music in the background, it's just breathing. It's just yeah. time for you because in this day and age we don't spend enough time on ourselves we're constantly looking at what other people are doing constantly where they're at and what they're doing you know you know what they look like on their instagram page or where they're you know where they seem to be and you know it's just a show reel at the end of the day it really I mean, is off, off the back of like um my bodybuilding i then found functional fitness um I, you know, I talk about Ollie um, a little bit and the marching boys, I don't know if you know them um, or know of them, but they've got a great functional fitness gym just outside London. And um, I went there and I'd rebounded quite badly off the back of my bodybuilding competing. You know, I put on about 10 to 12 kilos. I'm only five foot one and compressed. So it, it shows <laughs> for me, I go outwards, yeah. I don't go upwards. And I went to this gym and it was the first time that I actually felt they were so inclusive. Functional fitness is something so magical about it because you could be training with Richard who's 70 and there's a regression that, you know, of an exercise that he could be doing, but you're ultimately all doing the same thing yeah. and you're all training together and you're all doing your wads together or, you know, and, and it's, I'm no better than anyone else, you know, and I like that, you know, 
sport or training should be inclusive to everyone. You know, I've been that person where I've been scared to go into the weights area. Yeah. You know, and um, it should have a feel good, slightly competitive at times, but a really good feel factor and finding sort of, I guess, for those that don't understand what functional fitness is, it's like CrossFit style training, I guess, you know, see. Uh, strength and conditioning that was great for me because they're not attaching it's about performance they're not attaching um you know your workout on the way you look yeah you know it's about how you're performing how much you're lifting or could you do that little you know conditioning workout at the end a bit faster than you did last week could you get an extra rep in and that for me was I'd never seen I'd never been around that sort of inclusivity and people weren't looking at me for what I looked like. It was just like, oh, that's Georgie, who's terrible at burpees <laughs> or likes to moan about burpees. And functional fitness saved me, but like everything I do in my life, I'm an extremist. I, you know, then started competing. because I found out I'm quite good, you know, quite strong anyway. Yeah. And um, yeah, I started doing things like turf games and national fitness games and, taking um if we fast forward up until pre-lockdown i had spent six months with a coach getting in the best shape of my life i'd lost the 10 kilos 12 kilos i was in incredible shape um which was a byproduct of the fact that i was performing right i was strong um you know like i could my was were like i was really pleased with my training as it were and I was training very intensely to do my first individual event for national fitness games and I'd really put a lot of effort into to being in the best shape of my life again and taking it extremely seriously and then two weeks you know before the competition it got cancelled and it was the first time up until before I was in you know doing my bodybuilding that I thought my god you've put all your energy again into like an event an external event that doesn't create you as a person and I was initially really upset because you know I trained so hard and it's really miserable and I thought my god you can't go through life attaching so much emotion to an uncontrollable yeah exactly yeah and what I like about um what you said, March on Athletic. I was lucky enough to have uh, Ollie on here to do a podcast. And my favorite motto that I think they use there is train everything so you're ready for everything or yeah, ready for anything. Yeah, that's actually what it was. Like, yeah. Ollie and, you know, Char- his brother Charlie, I was training with them before they they got their new gym. Yeah. And, uh, and then I moved with them into their new gym. And they, they honestly, they just changed me, like, they absolutely, they tore me to pieces because I thought I knew what I was doing. Yeah. You know, my form was all over the place um, because Ollie's an advocate about, you know, form and doing things well, strip it back, you know? And uh, yeah, they're, they're great, you know, changed, changed me and my outlook on things. But yeah, you know, you shouldn't put all your attachment on a competition or the way you look or does it really matter? No. It doesn't, but it's so Health easily done. Wealth. Health is real wealth. Definitely. Definitely. It's so easily done though, isn't it? Having that, because yeah. you, you enjoy it, you love the process, and then you start thinking, this is me, this is what I want to do. But then at some point you think, 
oh god like i need to detach from this now because this is consuming me a little bit too much so how do we do that um well unfortunately i'm like a taipei and i've got an addictive personality <laughs> everything that i do i do to absolute extremes so yeah. i think in some ways when i when i use when i use that in a positive way it's great but it it generally can flare up it can be anything that i do but things I'm passionate about, such as, you know, training and, you know, my nutrition. You've got to not, I've been told not to give myself such a hard time. Yeah. It's about finding, and I hate saying that, this word, balance. Balance. You yeah. know, be kind to yourself. We only get one chance, right, Tom? You only get one chance on this earth. We're just one little speck, you know, and... I think we we do sometimes as a society put too much pressure on ourselves. That will, I'll take you into with my, my new running coach now. He's very much an advocate about, you know, don't always beat yourself up. Yeah. You know, why do we always have to go out there and beat ourselves up all the time? Why? Rest and recovery is just as important. You know, taking that time to digitally deep to decompress or detox, making sure you get your sleep, having time with people, relationships, friends, family. You know, they're really, really important things. They're gonna be the things that you remember, not, you know, not what you look like or, you know, did you manage to get, you know, 100 burpees in a minute? <laughs> and that's so true. I mean, I've been guilty of that. I mean, when I try and do something, I try and do it to my max. And when I was playing rugby, that was my downfall because I would miss out so many occasions because I wanted to train. I wanted to do the right things. I cannot tell you how many times I went home early from a night out. I didn't drink because I thought, well, no, I want to go to the gym tomorrow. And I didn't have a game for a few weeks. I just thought I want to go to the gym tomorrow. And I thought, well, no, that's me being really, really disciplined and committed. And in a way it was, but then in another way it was like, well, this isn't living. This isn't living because if you get injured next week, no one's going to give a shit. You know, like spend time with people who are important to you as well. Get a balance. Yeah, you, you've hit it because there you go, like injury, right? It can be taken away from you. And yeah. that's where, you know, it leads me on to like my crazy running like journey. Um, because there have been a couple of times that I have been injured and it really grounds you because you're like, it's an uncontrollable, right? It just said, well, yeah. it's Sometimes it's an uncontrollable. <laughs> Me, when initially I got injured, it's from overtraining. And okay. it's almost like someone looking down on you to go, told you, you shouldn't be doing that. You know, you pushed it. You pushed the boundaries too far. And lockdown happened, you know, and my competition got cancelled. And I had just been in Dubai, and like, judging for turf games. Yeah. Um, and I'd come back. And I was quite organized, not like everyone else. I knew that lockdown was coming. I had all I had ordered my dumbbells and a few kettlebells. Functional fitness teaches you that you don't need a full gym to work out. You know, you can generally you just need a few bits and yeah. you'll be fine. I have a wonderful assault bike in my office. I say wonderful, it's not wonderful. Um <laughs> so I was okay so I was like well I'll just keep my training up so I was working out in my kitchen here and just getting on with it really and kind of trying to keep myself occupied 
But like I say about my assault bike, it was the lesser of two evils. Do I go out for a run, which I hate, Sid? Yeah. Um, <laughs> or do I go on the assault bike? And for anyone that's been on an assault bike, I think people would choose running. They're just It's just a vile contraption. Yeah, they're awful. You know, it's, <laughs> um, I had to do it because of, you know, my competing, but yeah. I try and avoid it. It's not built for small people. I think I have to do double the work. <laughs> <laughs> so I and also Boris was like you only get one hour outside so <laughs> when we've only got one hour outside you're like oh my god okay I need to get outside so it was like right if you're a fitness fanatic you're like walking walking I'm not going to just go out and walk I need to get a sweat on so I was yeah. like right I'm going to try this thing called running I haven't done it for donkeys um and so I started doing what most of us do that a novice is to running okay i'll run 3k and i'm blowing out and i'm dying yeah that's horrendous but you know sort of limping at the end and then okay next next tomorrow or the next day i'm gonna do 4k and just push longer harder faster it's all you know right that that's surely what makes you a good runner yeah and if i'm being honest i like the way it just it blow it blew me out at the time yeah um great great way to lose weight you know um and you feel like you're getting your steps in so it's it's like win 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 and everyone was offering um in the fitness industry some form of you know free content which was fantastic you know i think it gave a lot of people that feeling of companionship or that you know that could hold their hand i'm quite self-motivated i'll you know five in the morning i would be in my kitchen doing snatches and burpees wow. with with no one you know but that yeah. that is just me and i'm very yeah. fortunate I don't ever lose my mojo bar from when I was under my duvet for that three weeks. I've never lost my mojo for training. Yeah. Um, it's just never happened. You know, I know a lot of people ebb and flow, yeah. uh, even in the fitness industry, professional sports athletes. No, I just get up and go. Like that's just, I feel that it's so ingrained habitually in, in me as a person. Yeah. Um, I almost don't know anything else. So yeah. I found Fletch, my running coach. Um, he has a running club called One Track, um, was very well respected in the London fitness industry, um, working at Equinox. And uh, he was, you know, like many people in the industry, was suddenly out of work. You know, gyms are shut and your purpose as a coach, gone, right? And so Fletch had a track club on a Monday um, and he took his coaching virtual. And I was like, running virtually, this is gonna be interesting. Well, I was like, well, yeah. I hate running. It'd be interesting to listen to some, someone to coach me while running. Yeah. So he was offering this content free um, or you could do a donation. Um, and I was like, wow give it a go you know why not got nothing else to do you know so and um he's the most incredible person like he's changed my life the dulcet tones of Fletch like Anthony Fletch like 
are incredible. That yeah. man can make you feel so calm. You could be in the middle of like World War Three, and then <laughs> you out. And he spoke about, I remember where I first, like the penny drop moment happened. It was on my second run with him because he was delivering, I think the content was most days. Um, and it was called the easy run. And I was like, no run is easy. Like no run's easy. Yeah, what surely not. <laughs> and he was like, right. And I always remember him saying this mid run. He was like, so we do our runs on RP. So rate of perceived exertion. Mm -hmm. So that's from a scale of one to 10. So 10s, you're like, I'm going balls to the wall, like doing your intervals. I feel like I'm going to die. I'm going to lay on the floor, flap around a bit, and you're deemed speechless. One could be walking, right? Yeah. So an easy run is two to three RPE. And I was like, and he's like, if you need to take a walk, you take a walk. And I was like, well, that's not the But anyway, so he taught me that you just need to slow down. Yeah. All you need to do is run slower. And I'd spent the last decade so, like with this massive ego, you know, because this is what it does boil down to is ego because you want to look like you're, you know, running faster than what you're actually fit enough for, you know, you're going, you're pushing yourself too hard. And I was like, if I just slow down and I take things easy, I can run. And that's literally what happened on the second virtual session. I was like, he said, he says during the run, could you do that whole thing again? And if you said to someone after 45 minutes running, could you do the whole thing again? I can tell you probably the majority of the population would go, go away. 45 <laughs> minutes. Yeah. No way. But he actually makes you slow the hell down so you could do it again. If anyone wanted to walk a marathon now, you could yeah. it just it would just be down to how fast you were walking like Definitely. you could get it done or how long it would take you so that's that's how i sort of that's how i sort of found running i guess lockdown did it for me i got forced into it and then i found <laughs> and then where did that go then into thinking i'm going to do this big challenge so we touched on health is wealth. Yeah. My mum has a form of Parkinson's called orthostatic tremor disease. It's a very rare form of the disease that predominantly affects the use of your legs. Um, my mum's had this for about four years. Um, there's no cure for it. It just gets worse. Um, if you Google it, you know, people talk about stories about ending up in a wheelchair. And my mum, I call her the Oracle. She's my inspiration. Yeah. She's been more than enough for both parents for me. I've never felt, sounds awful. You know, my dad passing away when I was 11. It was very sad, but she's been a strong enough, resilient character that it hasn't, I felt like it hasn't affected me as badly as it could have. Yeah. Um, she's the cornerstone of our family. And uh, when she got diagnosed with this, she's the kind of person that will find a solution for everything. And there wasn't a solution for this, you know? So yeah. you just have to manage it. And she manages it through um, Eastern acupuncture. Okay. So 
she goes down the holistic route. She's not very woke or zenny, like she's not that kind of person, but yeah. it worked for her. And during lockdown, she couldn't go and get treatment, you know, because just of the circumstances, no one could leave their houses. Yeah, oh gosh. And uh, she was walking her dog um, during lockdown and she called me and she was in a pile on the floor in the woods and I couldn't help her and she couldn't get up and the tremors had got so bad. It basically makes you lose your balance. And okay. um, I think it was that penny drop moment, Tom, where, you know, that this was part of the soul searching where I was like, you know, yeah. help is wealth and we're not guaranteed it. Right. So I was like, right. You know, I went into my bodybuilding, then I went into functional fitness competing and, you know, I can move and I'm really able and, you know, my training has allowed me to do that. But yeah. something might happen in my life that's an uncontrollable that can just literally take that away. And I'd, I'd put my so much of my energy and my identity into my bodybuilding, into my functional fitness. Yes. You yeah. know, what if that is taken away from you? Who are you left with? You're just yeah. left with you. And you know, health is wealth and we don't know what's around the corner. Disease can get us at any point. It could be yeah. genetic or it could just be the card that you've been played. And my mum doesn't have a choice. And I was like, I'm so fortunate that I can move. Like I can actually yeah. move. I'm really fit. And um, I think a lot of people take it for granted. I think People so. Sit on the sofa, or they go, oh, I can't be bothered. To go yeah. You know, look, exercise doesn't need to be like what I do, or what you do, or what you see. You know, people doing jumping around on Instagram, going ball to the wall. Yeah. You might not be able to walk tomorrow. That's what you know. That's what movement is. Medicine it doesn't matter what type of movement it is. Um, to be able to get on and off the toilet you know, things like that. We take all of this for granted. And that for me, it was a combination of mum and me realizing that at 35, I'm not guaranteed to be able to do what I'm doing now for the rest of my life. Yeah. And I appreciate that. Um, and also create awareness and inspire others that look, mindset is everything. It is. Like I was just, I'm just an everyday girl. Like I am not a professional athlete, you know, I'm an everyday athlete. Yeah. But if you believe in something enough, you can, you can do it. I'm a great believer in, you know, I'm proof in the pudding that you can. Yeah. And I remember being in the little church car park down the road where I do my drills, which are hilariously funny. Like people that do, <laughs> I never knew that you did have to do running drills and you're doing all these funny like little bum kicks and little prances. I call it the river dance. And I was just like, I want to just do something out there, maybe a bit Ross Edgley style, yeah. um, endurance, an endurance challenge that's not attached on the way I look. Um, it's going to be a lot about mindset. Yes. On my performance, because you know, that's again, I'm really passionate about, you know, my mindset is, I think the majority of the battle for many of us. It is. You know? And I really agree with that because 
a few months ago, I was in that mindset. At the start of lockdown, I was burnt out and my mindset wasn't great. I actually didn't like going to the gym. And for the first time, I did not like exercising. I would go for a run and I've always been quite fit and able and I would run 2K and I'd stop. And it wasn't that I was physically tired. My mindset was off. And for me, I did something similar to you. I started giving myself challenges. So every two months, I would give myself a challenge that is really going to stretch my mindset. It was first one I did, I tried, I did a marathon. The second one I did was I climbed Penavan, the highest uh, peak in South Wales, five oh, times for charity. And on my next one, I haven't actually figured out my next one. It was going to be maybe another, like an ultra marathon or something by December, but then... Um, and that was going to be across the beacons, but obviously I can't get out of Cardiff now to train or anything like that. So, um, so that, that one's on the, uh, on the back burner, but like you said, it is so important, not just to work out just to be physically able, it's the workout to be that mental to, because I think in life we're all going to be dealt hard times. We, we are. And I think by having that mindset, that resilient mindset that you can achieve these different things, then that just comes into life. So for you, does it just translates like so I've learned so much about myself yes by running and I I never thought I'd be that person functional fitness for me is a great way to distract because you can't think about anything else while doing burpees but I just I I turned around to one of my good friends Charlie he's a professional um He's a professional Mai Tai like boxer, like yeah. world number one. And wow. I was like, I want to do something that's really out there, you know? And he's like, look, Georgie, a lot of the time when they haven't been done, there's a reason why they haven't been done. <laughs> and I was like, okay. So I was like, maybe let's rein it back. Okay, I'm not going to run around the world. Um, so I had seen um, a guy called William Googe actually run Joggle everyday athlete and I thought well if he's done it then I can do it yeah. but I think what's quite funny about me is I never liked running and anyone that actually knows me well is just like Georgie run like if we ever had any wads that included running I would just there's lots of swearing and no it just wasn't <laughs> so I decided I was like right I'm going to run joggle which is running from John O'Groats to Land's yeah. End wow. So from the furthest tip of Scotland to the furthest tip of the UK. And I thought, look, it's not going to be nice. It's not going to be pleasant. Um, that's for sure. But I reckon if you put your mind to it, you can, well, I know you can achieve anything. So I wanted to inspire people that, you know, girls and guys that, if you know, put your trainers on get out there, do something that's just a little bit outlandish, you know, give it, give it your best shot. And all it takes is time, right? All that's all it takes is anything is possible, but be patient and put the time and the consistency into it. And that translates into everything in life. That could be your job. That could be your relationships. Everything needs nurturing. Um, you know, you can't go out tomorrow and run the country, that's for sure. It's it's a year project. And that when I approached Fletch, actually, I said to him, I was like, oh, I've got this like, you know, weird, weird, you know, sort of goal 
challenge that I want to do and he was like what and I was like I want to run joggle and he was like okay <laughs> um didn't expect that most people it's like a marathon you haven't even run a marathon yet so that's the funny thing I haven't even run a marathon so okay. um so I've never experienced anything longer than a 10k and I mean that was wow. pain so yeah i I wanted to do it to inspire other people that the impossible is possible and raise awareness for orthostatic tremor disease. So that's the, um, the tremor foundation is the charity that I'm raising money for, but really that, you know, movement is medicine and let's just not take it for granted a bit like our freedom with lockdown, you know, we take so many things for granted, you know, let's, let's be a bit more present. Definitely. A bit more appreciative. What's the biggest thing that you found about running more? Because I found that you've really got to get into a, a, a neutral mindset when you start running. Because if you start running and you're just worrying about, oh, this feels awful, oh, I'm, this this hurts, this is and, and it's negative, then you're not going to do great. But if I find if you just kind of, it clears your mind and then you've just got to be with yourself. That's that's the biggest thing I learned. Yeah, it's, it's such an interesting sport. Um you have to, it's like meditation. I yeah. call it. Because I even run now with no music at times, which people think is crazy. Um, my coach, so my nutritionist, he's a Nike runner. Um, Fletch, obviously, you know, super experienced. They both turned around to me and said, Georgie, we want you to run with no music. And I was like, what like I need to podcast audio but distraction right yeah of course and they were like we want you to get used to listening to yourself you ever see people run around the park and they're like Phoebe from Friends and arms are flapping everywhere and they're breathing heavily and spitting all over the show and they're like look like they're about to keel over and um that was probably me at some point don't worry uh it's about learning to calm down Listen to the cadence, the step of your feet, your breathing. A lot of the time, it's just about control. Again, that transcends into different areas of your life. Calm, you know, control, think, be present, you know, and actually it helps grow that mindset as well that you don't need to be distracted all the time. Yeah. I think part of the reason there were a couple of, it was about a month ago, I was talking about, I hated being single, like this, doing this challenge, training and being single because there was no one to come home to, to give me a pat on the back and go, you yeah. got this. I was out there, you know, at points running, I'm running 75 kilometers a week currently. Wow. So you know, about a month ago, I was probably up to about 60 and you're running, I'm running seven times a week at the moment in my block. Then it was probably about six or seven. And it was the first time that I've been out like running on my own, no teammates. And it felt lonely. You know, everything was lonely, you know, lockdowns being lonely, running outside's being lonely. No one understands the pain because no one else is doing such a bonkers challenge. And it just felt very solitary. Yeah. But it's been good because we come here alone, we leave alone. Yeah. And like I said to you, it's about learning to be comfortable in my own company. Yeah. And 
lean into the thoughts and feelings that we have, you know, and why we're having them. Because I'm a great believer that I think a lot of mental health comes from the fact that you're not leaning into how you feel. Yes. You know, and actually learning to understand why you're feeling that way and how to overcome it. So yeah. it's been great for my mental health too. <laughs> Definitely. That's a really interesting word that you just said there, distract yourself. We do, don't we? And not just with fitness, but with everything. We distract ourselves. We're always looking to feel great all the time. We want to have distractions. We want to put watch TV. We want to do this. We want to do that. Mm. And I think by just being with yourself, I mean, again, we, we come back to Ross Edgley because I think what he's put in his book is just so pertinent to what we're saying. Um, mm. He was saying that even monks they use long distance like events such as running as part of their practice, yeah, as, you yeah. know, because they have to tap into obviously what they do is they cover large, large distances for a large period of time, similar to what you're doing, but then they have to learn to just be with themselves. They have to go without food. They have to go without drink. They have to put up with the pain of doing it. And I think that's how you build, like you said, that stoicism, uh, the resilience, it's a resilient mindset, which I think yeah. my friend Charlie says to me that we're brought like in society today, we're wrapped up in cotton wool. We're too, he calls it too cotton wool. Yeah. And I think we are to a certain extent. Definitely. We're too comfortable. You know, we, we like being comfortable. We used to being in our warm and cozy houses and we used to having food in the fridge or Deliveroo sending it to our door. Yeah. We don't know what hunger is really. And, no. you know, there are people, but, you know, we are very lucky to be in the country that we live in to have the, uh, the support systems that we have. Yeah, yeah. That, um, you know, that are there for the majority of people, not everyone, but for the majority. And, yeah, I think we have to learn to be a bit uncomfortable it's it's good it's good for the soul and it's good for growth mindset yeah i agree growth is where it, it all comes from i mean i think when i started running or working out again i got into like a default mindset where i thought i wanted just to be comfortable i was going for a run and then i'd hear my phone telling me how many kilometers i was covering and i wanted just to do a simple 5k or whatever and it was, I hit 3K. And my biggest thought was going through my mind was, oh shit, I'm knackered. Like, I'm just, I'm just going to go home. I'm just going to go home, eat whatever, watch whatever, because it's comfortable. And I thought, no. And for me, that was the biggest epiphany I had was, no, 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 let's, let's start leaning into being uncomfortable a bit more. And you can do it. I mean, yeah. like, it's not comfortable out there, especially now it's getting a bit chilly. I'm like a cat. I love it. <laughs> And, uh, you know, I'm looking to wrap, I mean, last weekend, I think, fair play, it was a virtual marathon and it was hacking down with rain in, in the UK, like in the Southeast, it was, oh, it was awful. You know, especially, it was horrendous. And, you know, I'm, I was in Dubai um, over a month ago, the temperatures were 40 degrees. My training, I have to be consistent with it. I can't just go, I'm just going to have like, you know, a week off. Yeah. We've got a very limited time frame to get me up to, to get my body to adapt to where it should be in a state where I can do my challenge in June, 2021. And so I've done really hot weather. So then coming back here and it's cold and it's raining and, you know, 
I was a fair weather trainer. I was used to going in a gym and it's air conditioned, you know, so it's yeah. cool when it's hot, it's warm when it's cold. And all of a sudden I'm having to go out and I'm wading through puddles, getting splashed by people driving past, yeah. you know, and I've got water up to my ankles last week, you know, because I, there's no other way to get around. And old Georgie version 1.0 would have been diva. I'm not doing this and turning around, getting home. No, you've got another two hours running out there, love. Right. You've just got to keep going. Yeah. And it's just, it makes you a better person. I think so. I think so. I think it does make you a better person. So, yeah, I mean, juggle. Um, I've called the challenge Georgie gets to run because I I get to run. I yeah. have the choice to run. Um, and it's 16 days, 875 miles. Wow. Um, so it works out about two marathons a day over that period of time. Um, That's amazing. And- Oh, yeah, I two, mean, two marathons a day. Yeah, wow. so looking to run probably about 10 hours a day. Um, I'm having to learn to do all these weird and wonderful things like eating while running. Okay. Um, you know, it, it strips a girly girl back bare, I'm telling you. Yeah, really, I can imagine. It, it does. Um, it's certainly character building to say the least. Yeah. Um, but I... I'm already thinking about the next challenge. There'll be something else that will come off this. You know, Ross Edgley, watch out. Um, <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's 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 all about the journey, right? Yeah. The journey, what I'm learning about myself for selfish reasons has been incredible. So, you know, I if anyone's thinking of doing anything that's, you know, around... A little bit of a crazy goal, or even doing a 10k, anything, just go out and do it. Just take the leap, get a coach. You know, that we're we're so fortunate in the day day and age that we live in that we've got so many resources at our fingertips. We can pretty much do or speak to anyone in any area. Yeah, we are lucky, you know, we are. I think. Uh, yeah that's just amazing I'm just still trying to process two marathons a day that's amazing so for for you what has been the hardest part about doing it so far about doing the training doing everything what has been the hardest bit do you think it's the solitude yeah it's the solitude like I said to you like you know oh I've been out for an hour today I've I, I run most, my, it's not one session a day. I could be out there multiple, yeah. like one, one day I've got three sessions a day, you know, and yeah. that's only going to get longer and longer. I'm up to 75 K at the moment. We're working up to hundred K by December a oh. week time on feet. And, um, you know, I don't run with people because you just can't, you're on your own journey. You're running at your own pace. Yeah. There are yes. times when, I will have people, I will be going out there and saying, if anyone wants to join me, but it's joining me at my pace, you know, plodding down the country. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's the, so- the solitude for me has been really difficult, but it's probably my weakest, um, my weakest point. So yeah, this is really, it's been really, really good and is really, really good for me. Yeah. And I could keep talking to you about this for hours, I think, but I want to close 
the interview with a question I ask everyone from the lessons you've learned and like the habits you've been building what is one piece of advice that you would give to somebody and it can be anybody it can be someone who wants to do like step out their comfort zone and embark on a challenge um, that they've always wanted to do it could be someone who is stuck in their life or in their career what would one piece of advice be that you'd have start start you know juggle is just one foot in front of the other yeah that's all it is you know i i found a challenge that you know i'm putting on a pair of trainers it's all it takes the barrier yeah. to entry is so limitless you know it it's it there are no limits really to it you know most people have got a pair of trainers um it's just start you know, everyone is a beginner. My mum always said that to me. She goes, no one was born knowing anything. You know, yeah. just, just start. Yeah, just start. And then by starting, you do, you build your self-esteem, you build your confidence. Confidence, I think, and that's what it takes. I was not a runner. I finally <laughs> said to my coach last week, I was like, Fletch, am I a runner now? Like, <laughs> you were a runner when you started running. Yeah. You know, I think we all worry about and put people in boxes, right? Yes. And what we think something should look like or, you know, we deem them to be. Anyone could be a runner. You could be walking and you could be deemed as a runner. Like, it's inclusive for everyone. And I think it's just getting started. Yeah, just, just get started. Whatever think, that might be in your life. I think that's great advice. I mean, we're all on our own journey. We're not sitting the same exam paper as everyone. It's all unique to us. So if you want to do something, you do it. No. Sure. Georgie, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been one of the most Absolute interesting podcasts pleasure. I've done. So thank you. <laughs> thank you for having me, Tom. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you again for listening to the latest podcast. I really appreciate your support as always. If you like this episode, please feel free to share it, subscribe and leave a rating. Thank you and take care.